May the Lord find us faithful all the time. This is something that each of us need to realize that, that God has left us here for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve Him and to tell others about Jesus Christ. Well, two weeks from tonight, I'd like to, uh, if, if the Lord would permit me, I'd like to answer a couple of questions about the King James Bible. What texts were used for the King James Bible and where did the text come from for the King James Bible? And what is the difference between the Alexandria Egypt text and the Antioch Syria text? Which text is right? And uh, we have some confusion today, even in our fundamental independent Baptist churches, I believe. Some people just really do not know where we got the King James Bible from and why we use the King James. Tonight, I'm just going to uh, present some, some basic facts for you. And uh, I pray that you would be praying for me as I do this, that uh, God would use uh, this series to help each of us to reinforce why we use the King James Bible. And just before I get into this, would you bow with me for prayer? Father, thank you tonight for this privilege of being able to stand up for you. Lord, I need you tonight. I need your strength. And Lord, I want to glorify you tonight. And Father, I thank you for Jesus who came. He came to glorify you. And Lord, I thank you that you sent him to save sinful man. And Lord, I thank you tonight for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. And Lord, uh, I just pray that you would speak to hearts tonight. May your word go forth with the power that you have intended. And Lord, may I not get in the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight, I, I would like, now, I saw this many years ago, and, and I've, re, I've jotted this down as I thought of it. When people say they have found a doctrine of gold, apart from this book, the Bible, I say they have found nothing more than fool's gold. And we just got through going through a series of lessons about fool's gold. People get so confused in this day and time, they can't tell the difference in what is the Word of God. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that the King James Bible is the Word of God. If what is being taught as biblical truth does not make biblical sense, then it is nonsense. And you read some of the perversions that are out there, and they are, utterly, they are utter nonsense. Now, why do we study the true Word of God? I believe the Bible is the best source for uh, letting us know why we study the Word of God. John 4, 14, uh, it says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. God's Word produces thirst for righteousness. And this book, the King James Bible, produces that thirst when we get into it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon had some things to say about this. He said, religious deceivers are the worst of vermin, and I fear they are as plentiful as rats in an old wheat stack. He went further and said this, the truth is, a, is as old as the everlasting hills. Therefore, dear friends, be not touched with that Athenian madness of always seeking after some new thing. Did you ever hear of new gold? To all intents and purposes, all gold that is worth having is old. And I say stick with the old King James, stick with the old tried and true, stick with the old paths that God has given us as His children 
in this day and time and times past and times in the future if he delays his coming. Now tonight, of course, we want to study the word in spirit and in truth. But you'll notice there that uh, committed to God's word, the King James Bible. And tonight I'd like for, once again, the Bible to speak, the King James, the word of God. And what I mean by letting it speak is letting you see some of the things that, that uh, is important for us as the children of God. Notice the introduction now. We're going to get in that in just a moment. Maybe. I must be pushing it wrong. There we go, the introduction. Thank you, brother. All right. Now, the King James Version, the KJV, also known as the Authorized Version, the AV, or King James Bible, the KJB, is an English translation of the Christian Bible for the Church of England that began in 1604 and was completed in 1611. Now, I'm trying to give you some background on this so that you can follow along and understand that this Bible just didn't happen. Men of God, God used men of God to pin down His breathed Word. This is the, pre uh, the breathed Word of God. Now, the King James was first printed. The first printer was Robert Barker. And this was the third translation into English to be approved by the English church authorities. The first was the Great Bible, commissioned in the reign of King Henry VIII in 1535, and the second was the Bishop's Bible of 1568. In January of 1604, James I convened the Hampton Court Conference where a new English version was conceived in response to the perceived problems of the earlier translations as detected by the Puritans, a faction within the Church of England. The translation is widely considered a towering achievement in English literature as both beautiful and scholarly. Now many of the perversions that we look at and we've seen, and, and uh, you may have one of those perversions, I don't know, but many times the authors of those versions, those perversions, they have made statements like this. Well, you know, people are, have gotten tired of reading the old Bible. People are bored, so we need to give them something new. And one of those people who said that was Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson passed away in 2018. He was 85 years old. He is the author of what is called The Message. And he made that statement, and you know it's sad that many of the people who have read that uh, message, uh, the message, many of what we would consider stalwarts of, of the past and stalwarts who uh, we've looked up to, some of those people have actually endorsed the message, saying that when you get bored, you need to pick up the message, or you need to pick up something that is not the King James Bible. Well, the message did not come from God. This man wrote the Bible as a paraphrase. He wrote it, first of all, for his children. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he wrote that so that it would be easier to understand. Keep in mind now that he, he called this a paraphrase, and would to God that some of these ungodly people who put out the perversions would say it is a paraphrase that we have produced, not the Word of God. Now, the translation of the King James was done by 47 scholars, all of whom were members of the Church of England. In common with most other translations of the period, the New Testament was translated from Greek. The Old Testament was translated from Hebrew and Aramaic, the Aramaic text. 
next week we'll look at those, some of those texts. And down th- or a week after next, down through the times of different translations of the Bible, we read of such groups and people as the Lutherans, Reformed, Anabaptists, Mennonites, Dutch Baptists, Quakers, Protestants, Catholics, and so forth. Well, let me remind you of something. We are Christians first. And then, I don't know about you, but I'm a fundamental independent Baptist. That's what I am tonight. As a fundamental independent Baptist, as we are, we are not Lutheran. We are not Reformed. We're not Anabaptist. We're not Mennonite. We're not Dutch Baptist, Quaker, Catholic. And this may surprise you, we are not even Protestant. We are a fundamental independent Baptist. We have nothing to protest. We have everything to proclaim tonight, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many people believe the King James Bible has been changed in some form or another down through the years. Well, these so-called changes or additions to the approved version, uh, the KJV, supposedly took place in what many supposed to be some of these following years. And I'm just going to mention a few of them. 1613, 1616, 1617, 1618, all down through there, people say that there have been changes that have been made. Well, we sometimes take the word of someone who has written a book or a publisher who, uh, who publishes a book as to their word being valid in what they say. Just because they have a lot of initials after their name does not make them right. Just because they have the LLDs, THD, and the MUDs, it does not make them right. This is why I encourage you and others who listen to me, to my teaching, or to any other person who is teaching the Word of God, to search for yourself and see who is right. For the most part, someone pointing out problems concerning the King James Bible do not realize the error of their thinking concerning the King James and modern so-called revisions of the King James Bible. Now notice this. Let me back up. Let me go forward. Let me go back. Let me go forward. Okay, you got two of them at once there. I hope that you have a study sheet tonight because these are some of the things that, that you will not remember possibly after you leave here tonight. But notice this. Did any revisions of the King James Bible ever take place on the dates People sometimes point to, the answer is no. The answer is no. Did any corrections to the King James actually take place after 1611? The answer is yes. Now, number three. Does this mean that on each of those dates we got a new translation of the King James Bible? The answer is no. No new translation. Now, the King James Version of 1611 has not been revised, but only corrected. And you're going to see what I'm talking about in just a few moments. Now, we're going to look at some of those corrections. And anyone who changes words to say what they think the subject matter says, or should say, in the Bible, the King James is simply paraphrasing. And they are not producing a new, true Word of God. And any book a so-called revisionist produces, calling it a better translation of the King James is actually not producing a better King James, but is actually producing the perverted Word of God. On the other hand, if a person is honest and wants to say that they have produced a commentary 
on what they think the King James Bible says, then that person would appear to be an honest person. And I would have to say the man I mentioned, Eugene H. Peterson, he admitted that the message was simply a, a paraphrase of what he thought the Bible said, and would to God that more of these people would come forward and say that what they're producing is only a paraphrase. Well, what about dates? Well, frankly, the dates about the King James are not as important as what took place on those dates. There are dates to remember concerning the King James. Well, notice, there are three types of corrections in the King James Bible. You may not have been aware of this, but notice this, the first correction, printing changes, printing changes. Now remember, this was printed 1611, and notice the Gothic style print. Now the Gothic style print changed to Roman style in 1612. There's a change, a printing change. This is Gothic. This is Roman. Now, that is beautiful writing on the top, but it's much easier to understand on the bottom. This is the reason the printing was changed to that Roman style. Now, listen carefully. The Gothic S looks like the Roman S when used as a capital letter or at the end of a word. Now, you're not gonna remember all of this, but you're getting the basics of what changes actually took place. And when I'm finished here, I pray to God that you do not think that the King James has been changed or the doctrine of the King James has been changed down through the years. Notice that, Gothic X, S, looks like the Roman S when used as a capital letter or at the end of a word. Notice this. The Gothic S, when used as a lowercase s at the beginning or in the middle of a word, the letter looks like RF. A-L-F-O becomes also, and F-E-T becomes set. I'm trying to let you see is that it does not change the meaning. These are simply words that's being set into the Roman type that we understand. Notice again now. The Gothic V looks like a Roman U, while the Gothic U looks like the Roman V. Well, that sounds pretty confusing, doesn't it? But that's the way it is. And this explains why our W is called double U and not double V. Well, in 1611, the, that addition, love, L-O-V-E, is L-O-U-E. Us, U-S, is V-S. And ever, E-V-E-R, is E-U-E-R. Now, notice. In 1629, careful corrections of earlier printing errors took place. Words were sometimes inverted in the 1611 King James. What's this mean? Some words had been reversed, turned upside down, inside out, or backwards. Now keep this in mind, that individual letters and numbers were typeset by hand. Now when these corrections were made, it did not change 
what the King James said. In other words, it made it clear to us. It wasn't paraphrased. These letters were changed so we could understand what the Bible was saying. Now, the original printers chose the Gothic style. You say, why did they choose the Gothic style? Well, it's because it was considered to be the most beautiful and eloquent. It was more eloquent and beautiful than, than the Roman print. That's the reason they chose it. But the change to Roman type was not long in coming. And then you see in 1612 it happened. The first King James Version of the Bible using Roman type was printed that year. And within a few years, all the Bibles printed used the Roman style printing. Well, now, the 1629 edition of the Bible printed in Cambridge was not a revision at all, but simply a careful correction of earlier printing errors. See, some people will tell you that that Cambridge Bible was a paraphrase. They'll, they'll say that, that it changed, but only the letters were changed. Now, not only was this edition to Cambridge completed just 18 years after the translation, but two of the men who participated in the printing, Dr. Samuel Ward and John Boyce, had worked on the original translation of the King James Version. And who better to make the corrections or the errors here that we've seen than two who had worked on the original translation? They knew, and they were well-versed in how to do this. Now let me give you one more. Nine years later, 1629 to 1638 in Cambridge, another printing came out. Both Ward and Boys were still alive, but it is not known if they participated at this time. But even F.H. Scrivener, who was not a friend of the King James Bible, he worked on the reversed, I mean the revised, the English revised version. I always like to say the English reversed, but the English revised version of 1881. He worked on that. He admitted that the Cambridge printers had simply reinstated words and clauses overlooked by the 1611 printers and amended obvious areas. In other, errors, in other words, he found no fault with it. And he was against the King James Bible. Now notice another correction. The first is printing. Notice another correction. Spelling changes. That's number two. Examples. Notice. 1611, begate, B-E-G-A-T-E, -E, and today it's begat. 1611, ben, B-I-N, today is ben, B-E-E-N. 1611, book, B-O-O-K-E, today, book, B-O-O-K. Today, or 1611, sleep, S-L-E-E-P-E, -E, today, sleep. Do you get the picture of what's going on here? It wasn't changed. The meanings were not changed. The doctrine did not change. It was simply correcting the words so that people could understand what it was saying. No paraphrasing. Now notice, there were two editions of spelling corrections and they were only seven years apart, 1762 and 1769. Now, you may not appreciate what I'm saying here, but take it to heart. Take it to heart. There are people today who will tell you that there's been things changed in there that changed the meaning of what God's Word says. That's not true. It never happened. There were only corrections to make it clearer as to what God was saying. Now, notice something else. Not only that, there were textual changes. In 1637, 
That's not up there. 1637 should be in front of 1638. 1637 to 1638, 72% approximately, now listen to this, 400 textual corrections in the King James were completed by the time the 1638 Cambridge edition. This is only 27 years after the original printing. At times, a word was miswritten for one that was similar. A few times, a word or even a phrase was omitted. The omissions were obvious. And it appears only one in the 1611 KJV that was printed wrong and that had a doctrinal implication. Only one with a doctrinal implication out of that whole book, out of the whole Bible. Notice Psalm 6932. The 1611, King James, has the word good at the end, while today's King James has God at the end. Now let me read the verse to you. Psalm 69, 32, King James. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. Now here is the original. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall uh, live, and that's L-I-U in, the, in the, old, the old print, L-I-U, shall live that seek good. But we're not saved by good works, are we? So these people who saw that, they, hey, there's, there's a doctrinal difference here, and we need to correct that. It's not good. You're not good enough to go to heaven. You must measure up to God's standard, and that standard is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is through God Himself. So the word God is there now. Now notice, textual changes made in the King James of 1611 were not textual changes made to alter the reading. And there's really no comparison between the corrections made in the King James text and those proposed by the scholars of today. Modern scholars, quote unquote scholars I say, when attempting to improve the King James Bible are actually in, in most if not all cases altering the reading. I believe it's 99% of the time, at least. Revisions in the King James. The great majority of the corrections made in the King James were made within a few years of the original printing. 80% of the corrections made to the King James were made within 27 years of the 1611 printing, and that is hardly the long drawn out series of revisions that so-called scholars who use textual Criticism would have you believe. You remember, we've, we talked about textual criticism. You know what textual criticism is good for? Absolutely nothing. Textual criticism is actually finding fault with the Word of God. And your modern perverters of the Word of God use textual criticism trying to pick away, trying to pick the Word of God apart. Well, it doesn't work because God's Word's going to stand. And let me, let me say this, that if one word, one word is left out of a perversion, that's too many. That's one word too many. If the word blood is left out once, that's once too many. If the word propitiation is left out, that's one too many. So I say you need to get into the Word of God, the King James Bible, and you need to see what God has to say to you and say to me 
And I believe firmly in my heart that that's a reason that we see a, a, a dearth, if I can use that word, a drought in the churches today in our land and in this world is because the Word of God is, is not being used. The Word of God is being ignored in the churches today. God's people are not taking advantage of what God has given us to use, and that is the Word of God. And then when it is used, we don't let it go to our hearts and change the things that should be changed in our actions, attitudes, and what we're to do in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things that, that we could look at today and say, oh, if, if only we would listen to God. Only if we'd listened to the Lord yesterday. Things would be different today. Well, let's listen to Him today and see changes tomorrow in our country and in this world. Let's turn to God, and as the children of God, it's up to us to pray that God would have the preeminence in this world. Now, one day He's coming back. He's coming back for us before the second coming, but one day He's coming back to this earth, and He's going to set up His kingdom, and He's not coming back as that little baby in a manger. He's not coming back as a lowly person who is going to be crucified. He's coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nobody's going to crucify him then. He is going to rule with a rod of iron and he's going to tell people, you got to go my way. You got to do it my way. Well, see, he's saying that today, really. You go his way or you don't go to heaven. Now, the Bible is plain that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you've come here tonight without the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to take that, that to heart because that word all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that means you. You're included in that word all. Everybody is born into this world into sin. And I always have to mention this, that God does not send babies to hell. And I think about, as I look back, we mentioned abortion a few minutes ago, how that... And I may have mentioned this to you one other time. We have people within the government. I met one of our senators from West Virginia. I was in the Capitol and went in to see him. I sat down with him. And he looked at me and I said, well, what about this abortion thing? What do you, what's going to happen with this? He said, well, quite, quite frankly, I do not know if that thing within a woman is a human being. This man served in the Senate it looked like a hundred years. He's gone now. He's gone now. And, and you know, the, to add insult to injury, he was a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher. I do not believe that, I'm not convinced, he said, that that thing within the woman is a human being. God help us to get people there. And this is years ago, folks. What is it like today in our government? Well, I can tell you what it's like. It's rotten. And we need to pray that God would straighten things out and do it in a hurry. Revisions in the, key, in the KJV. Well, this thing went off on me. Let's see if I can turn it back on. There we go. Did it change? There we go. Now, has the King James ever been revised? This is important. Notice. The true King James Version of 1611 has never been revised, only corrected in the three areas we've looked at. Now that may have been, might, might have been a little dry for you as I went through these things. I don't know, but I hope you took it to heart because the only thing that has changed is the printing, the spelling, and textual corrections. 
Now notice, corrections made to the King James. There have been several thousand corrections made to the King James Bible. What were they? Printing, spelling, and some textual corrections. Well, how many revisions have there been to the King James originally published in 1611? And I've stated this. There are no revisions of the true 1611 King James Version. There have been uh, printing corrections, spelling corrections, and very few textual corrections. However, the question about whether the King James has ever been revised and as to how many times is a pertinent question. Because Thomas Catholic Nelson, which publishes the so-called New King James Version, listen, claims that this new translation, that is the New King James, is the fifth major revision of the King James Bible. And let me remind you, if the, King, if the New King James Version is a revision of the King James Bible, then why does part of the introduction of the New King James say this? Listen carefully. And I quote this. This is what is in the King James in the, in the introduction. Dynamic equivalence. A recent procedure in Bible translation, commonly resulting in paraphrasing, where a more literal rendering is needed to reflect a specific and vital sense. End of quote. New King James, 1979, 1980, 1982, Thomas Nelson. Did you catch that? They said, they'll try to tell you that it is actual, uh, something that is actually the King James, but we've just changed it a little bit. But in that introduction that I just read to you, it says it's a paraphrase. It's what a man thinks. It's what men think. And God help us to get into what God says instead of listening to what man says. And something else. The preface of the New King James. I know we've studied this. I know I went over the New King James. But let me, let me say this. The preface of the New King James says that all those who worked on the New King James signed a document of subscription. In other words, a pledge. They signed this pledge through the plenary and verbal inspiration of the original autographs of the Bible. I used to put that in, in the beginning of, of literature I'd put up in the churches I'd pastor. I put that out. I believe in the original autographs. I'd put that out there until I learned better. You say, what are you talking about? Well, uh, it talks about that these guys, they signed that they signed that pledge to the plenary and the verbal inspiration of the original autographs of the Bible. Well, that's great. It's great that they, that they agree with that, the inspiration of the original autographs of the Bible. But you see, there are no original autographs. There are none. Since the original autographs of the Bible, now those who write a new Bible have given themselves a literary license. That's the reason they say that. That's the reason they signed the pledge. They give themselves a literary license to paraphrase and add to what has come down to us from the originals. Well, what has come down to us from the originals? What can you believe? What has come down to us from the originals? These are the pres preserved manuscripts of the original autographs. Not the original autographs. These are handwritten themselves. Now notice. Paraphrasing. 
I can't enforce this enough. The King James Bible is not paraphrased. It's not what man thinks. It's what God says. And my definition of a paraphraser is one who writes or says what he wants others to believe. There's a problem with a paraphraser who uses tainted manuscripts. Lord's will, too, which we'll talk about those tainted manuscripts. There's a problem with that paraphraser who uses tainted manuscripts to fit what he or she thinks is a problem. And there's a problem, there's a problem with a paraphraser using tainted manuscripts to fit what he or she says or writes. And then there is a problem with a paraphraser translating, paraphrasing manuscripts that are not accurate. If what you're translating from and paraphrasing from is wrong in the beginning, then what you say is going to make it doubly wrong. Right. Now God loves each one, of, each one of us tonight. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to this earth to die for us. God loves everybody in this building tonight. He loves everybody in the world. And if you're listening tonight on the internet, wherever you're at, on the radio, God loves you tonight. And he wants you to know his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And this is the reason I stick with this book, the King James Bible, is because it's a clear roadmap as to how to get to heaven. God tells us that there's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the way. He's the only way. The Bible teaches us that there is such a thing as repentance. Some people try to turn that into a work, or they say it's a work. It happens the moment that you realize that you're lost. And you say, hey, wait a minute. I need to go in an opposite direction. I, I need to change my mind. I've changed my mind of, as to how to get to heaven because I'm a lost person. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. You change your mind as to how you're going to get to heaven. Jesus said to all who would come to him, he would no wise cast out. It makes no difference if you're young, old, middle-aged, man, woman, boy, girl, rich, poor, in the penitentiary, a murderer. Paul the apostle was a murderer and he was... He was used to God to write over half of the New Testament. God loves everybody. I don't care who you are. Homosexual, I don't care who you are. God cares who you are. Amen. And I do care who you are because He can save your soul Amen. if you'll just trust Him. That's the reason I stick with this book because it's tried and true. It's the old path that people have followed for many years and you can't improve upon this book. Why? Because it's the way of life. God loves us, and He hasn't left us comfortless. He has not left us without a way to get to Him one of these days. Now, if you don't know Him tonight, you need to come to Him. You need to trust Him. And if you've got one of those perversions, I, once again, I suggest that you open that page up and you write perversion in the front of that before one of your relatives gets hold of that book one of these days and say, well, look, well, my dad had this book and it must be good or uncle had this book and it must be good because he had it here and I'm going to read this paraphrase. Only they won't think it's a paraphrase. They'll think it's the word of God. Write perversion in the front of that thing or throw it in the garbage.
one or the other, one of the perversions. But this book here, you need to write on the front page of this book, this is the Word of God, and I'm sticking by it. And then when one of your relatives picks that up, after you're gone, they'll see that, and they'll say, this truly is the Word of God, and I'm going to stick with it as well. Let's pray.